North Carolina basketball has made an interesting new hire and taken somebody away from Coach Cal in Kentucky in the process. Win-win. You are Locked on Tar Heels, your daily podcast on the UNC Tar Heels, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, it's Tuesday, September 12th, 2023. Welcome into the Locked on Tar Heels podcast, the only daily North Carolina show out there. I'm your host, Isaac Shaden. I want to thank you for joining us on today's episode to get your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE for $20 off your first purchase. Coming up on the show today, we're going to continue unbelievably to talk about Tez Walker because the saga just doesn't end and the university is fighting for this young man, which I love to see. But also, Carolina has gotten some good news about their other transfer receiver, Nate McCollum. We'll unpack both of those things. First, a little bit of some basketball conversation. North Carolina has made a new hire in the NIL sphere, name, image, and likeness. And his name is TJ Beisner, who has been working on the Kentucky staff for the last several years. Now, right out of the gate for me, this is a massively big step in the right direction for North Carolina basketball. What it is, let's talk about that first. Um, Because we want to make sure we're very specific about what Carolina is getting, what how they're doing it, all of that. So this news was first reported by CBS Sports Matt Norlander on Monday, kind of mid-morning-ish. It started coming out and he said, quote, uh, towards the end of his his tweet, Beisner will work from with an outside firm, number one, catch that, plus oversee UNC players NIL deals and build out an NIL collective. So three key things you need to catch there. Number one, Beisner will work with an outside firm, meaning he will not be a University of North Carolina employee. He'll be working with a a third party entity to oversee Carolina's NIL efforts. We'll talk more about that in a minute. So uh, work with an outside firm to plus oversee UNC players NIL deals, meaning That's not got to be on the coaching staff, which is more allowed now after some legislation. Um, And he is going to be the one responsible for not only managing it, but probably procuring new deals, partnerships, other things like um, while at Kentucky doing this same thing, he was able to get a, an agree, an NIL agreement for the whole team essentially. And so, man, there's, there's some great stuff that Beisner should be able to do. And then thirdly, build out an NIL collective. We know we already have that with the football team. And uh, this is an opportunity to, to do this in a big way for Carolina basketball too, which all due respect, obviously to Carolina football, Carolina basketball is the biggest brand at, at the university, at least from a national standpoint, right? People would argue it's UNC women's soccer or some other things, but in terms of NIL specific things, the nation's tuning into the university of North Carolina for its men's basketball. It just is what it is. Right. And so there we are now. What's what's so smart about this to me is Carolina 
uh, at least the basketball team, is essentially mirroring what the university and the athletic department has done with the football team. You're probably aware that the football collective is called Heels for Life, which is, again, an outside entity. The executive director is Graham Boone. We've had him on our show before. Uh, does a great job. Is a great interview as well. And, um, you know, often offices at Keenan Stadium. But he is, again, not, 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 not. Um, a University of North Carolina employee. Again, same is true with Beisner. So that's what it is. That's what Beisner will be doing. What will Beisner not be doing? Because I think that's almost as important to talk about as we think about what it is. Like I got asked a whole bunch of questions on social media Monday, like, oh, is this finally the general manager? Is, is Coach Davis pulling the trigger on that? So let's start there. No. This is still not, I think I just hit the microphone. Sorry if that was loud in your ears. This is still not the general manager step forward. Um, if, if you were listening to Coach Davis's off-season uh, press conference earlier this summer, you probably recall that he had talked about not hiring a GM yet and was asked about it, pushed on it multiple times, but said that he ultimately is open to the idea. Well, it appears we're still not there yet because that's not what this hire is. But getting closer to that idea of a general manager because Beisner will be doing some of those types of things. Uh, but at while at Kentucky, interestingly enough, he was a set known as like the de facto GM for the Wildcats. Um, so um, interesting to know that if, he, if and when Hubert Davis ultimately decides to take that step, Beisner would be a logical person to do it with. So he will be, you know, while he won't be the GM of Carolina basketball, the, the name, you know, like heels for life for football, the, he will be the executive director of tri cord management, uh, an outside firm, which the quote university endorse, which is the quote university endorsed collective for men's basketball at Carolina, end quote. So that's what Beisner, who Beisner is and what he'll be doing. Um, so when, when you think about the other things that GMs are doing, uh, like um, in terms of college basketball, yes, it is NIL stuff, but also managing the roster. Um, helping manage the transfer portal, being the one to keep your eye on that, keeping the coach apprised of all the movement in and out. Because again, with 363 teams in division one, there's no way for coach Davis or even the other assistant coaches to keep track of that. And so a GM's job would be to do that. I'm, I'm still hoping that coach Davis will get to that point sooner and later. I just think it would be a, a big step, but this is a big step as well. And it's just not the biggest, the only step, but it is movement in the right direction. So um, Carolina will get there eventually. Now, part of why this move is so interesting to me is Carolina grabbing somebody from Kentucky and poaching that. You know, I think nationally people see that and are like, whoa, this dude's leaving Kentucky to go to North Carolina? Yeah. Yeah, he is. Where... Not, not only has he been the de facto GM, but Coach Cal refers to him as his right-hand man. <laughs> when Kentucky hired him to this role in August of 21, they called him, quote, the first college basketball staff member in the country to oversee the program's name, image, and likeness strategy and execution, end quote. That's for the Kentucky brand, where he had been around the program for several years even before that. 
um, managed all this NIL stuff. You know, I talked about the deal for the whole team, but also helped navigate all the stuff for Oscar Shibway, who as um, a foreign born player couldn't benefit from NIL in the same way. So they had to get creative with that. And he was responsible for managing all of that. And uh, so all in on it. And I, I love what it says to, you know, the nation that coach Davis is going to go out and get somebody. Um, but what's interesting, remember from a coaching staff standpoint, he's been very firm. I will only get Carolina family guys and Beisner's not that he is a Kentucky grad. It's not just that he worked there. He is an alum of the university of Kentucky. So this to me is a big win. And ultimately, again, I believe there is more distance to go here, but this is the great and correct first step. Also, another factor of why this might make sense for Beisner is that um, from reports I've read, his son Tyler actually lives in North Carolina, so it's an opportunity to be geographically closer to his son. Well, interesting stuff. We'll continue to see how this uh, continues to develop and, and unroll, and I'm sure we'll hear more from Coach Davis uh, exactly what he's hoping for and looking for with that. Now, while the NCAA side of the Tez Walker case is now closed, UNC is not ready to give up until they've exhausted all options. I'll tell you about more we learned about that on Sunday and into Monday. But first, I need to tell you that this episode of Locked on Tar Heels is brought to you by Game Time. Life's always so crazy busy, and I, I just need last-minute tickets. I'm not trying to plan way out ahead. I just need to get my tickets, and I need to get them now, and I don't want to be stressed out about it. So thankfully, there's Game Time, which has killer deals on last-minute tickets for all the events I want to go to, whether it's Man, I, you know, football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy theater, whatever it is, game time has it. Here's something else I get even one, probably the biggest thing I get stressed out about is, am I choosing good seats? Am I going to have an obstructed view? Is this the vantage point I want? Well, with game time, you can see all that right there in the app. So forget planning months in advance. Game time is the place, the place for last minute ticket deals tickets right up to the day of the event the game time guarantee it means that you're always going to get the best price because if you find tickets in the same section and row for less game time is going to um, credit you 110 percent of the difference so snag the tickets without the stress with game time download the game time app create an account and use code locked on college for 20 dollars off your first purchase again create an account and redeem code locked on college for 20 dollars off download game time today last minute tickets lowest price guaranteed terms do apply folks want to make sure you are aware that each friday here on the locked on podcast network we have a brand new college football show called locked on college football kickoff live it's coming at you every friday 11 a.m to 1 p.m eastern on every locked on college youtube channel including ours right here on locked on tar so make sure you tune in for all the best look back at the previous week of college football and then getting prepared and looking ahead to what's coming so for this week that will be north carolina and minnesota so locked on college football kickoff live coming at you this friday 11 a.m to 1 p.m. Eastern right here on the Locked on Tar Heels YouTube channel. All right. Interesting developments with the Tez Walker case, we'll call it. 
On Sunday, people started noticing that there had been an emergency meeting called for Monday for the Carolina Board of Trustees. And um, per the website, the purpose of said meeting was to, quote, receive a legal update regarding an athletics matter, end quote. Now, people postulated about other things, but come on. We all know that this was going to be a conversation about Tez Walker. It's just one of those things where they can't comment on specific student athlete names. You know, it's like student athlete one or whatever. But what's funny about this is people as, as soon the first person I saw it from was Jordan Kramer, who covers, um, you know, Carolina sports and things like that. But people immediately start going bananas because of jumping to the conclusion that it it's not just something that it says it is. It's bigger than that. The, that the legal update is going to be that Carolina has filed a lawsuit already and that Tez is going to be eligible to play. I, I think that's where people's minds were, were going um, in assuming that it was good news about Tez Walker. Well, here's the thing. It was good news, just not that good news. Um, <laughs> different, different good news. Simply that the university is seeking to learn all it can about how to move forward, what options are available, and what's the smartest thing to do. In fact, uh, Coach Brown, while nobody else is addressing directly who the student-athlete is, Coach Brown in his press conference, even before Monday's meeting, is talking about it um, by, by name about Ted. So he says, quote, in his presser from yesterday, the board is standing up to try to figure out what's best. And so we can see all of our options, get a singular voice and then move forward. We've got too many people saying, should he play? Should he do this? Should we do this? Should this happen? We all need to get in the same room and figure out number one, what's best for the young man, because we've said in our program, we want him treated like I would want my son to be treated. And that's what the board of trustees are looking at. End quote, man, a couple things here. Number one, Mac Brown is a saint. He is just a good and decent man putting his money where his mouth is. He always says, Hey, we're about student athletes. I think never more is that in bold relief against the NCAA than it is right now where Mac Brown and staff are doing everything they can for this young man and his family while the NCAA doesn't appear to be doing so. So, Mac Brown continues to show that this whole Tez Walker thing is not some publicity stunt or show. He is who he is, says he is. That is Mac Brown. And he continues to put Tez Walker's welfare, well-being first and foremost above everything else. And then number two, having a meeting like this is the absolute right call. And here's why I say that. There's just too much swirling around. People suggesting, oh, go ahead and play him. Who cares what the repercussions are? Hey, um, you know, force the NCAA's hand, play him, and they don't have any power. What are they going to do? You know, these things. But with all, the, with all these potential things swirling around, you can't have people going rogue. You can't have people being cavalier and making their own decisions. The only way forward in this is to present a united messaging university-wide, athletics department-wide, football staff, even getting that message out to the fans so the fans can be presenting the same message that the football team, the athletics department, and the university are presenting. And so I, I think this is so wise to get the board of trustees, Chancellor Guskowitz, A.D. Bubba Cunningham, and Mac all in the same room to figure out, all right, what are we going to do? 
Well, so this meeting came up after Coach Brown's press conference. He like rode on a golf cart up to it, um, but the meeting was closed. It was ninety, uh, you know, right at ninety minutes long. Uh, what we learned on the back end of it is that it wasn't really about making decisions. So no decisions were made. It's just about learning. What what are the options? What are we looking at? What are we talking about? Do we have any legal recourse we can use? to help further Tez's case beyond just the NCAA doing the right thing in this instance. And so this is great. We, we learned that Carolina heard from both internal and external counsel, meaning, you know, Carolina's own lawyers and then lawyers that are neutral third parties from without the university. And so uh, all of these are wise decisions. You, you just cannot take a misstep if you want to get this right and get Tez Walker on the field. Chancellor Guskowitz, after the meeting, said this, quote, this was an important meeting where we received some legal updates that will help inform us as we do everything possible to support our student athletes, end quote. And again, remember, he's being general. Um, there were two members of the board of trustees present. Everyone else was on Zoom. One of them was making some comments after obviously being general, not mentioning Tez by name. The official agenda didn't mention Tez by name. But again, Coach Brown's the one that's like, yeah, we're talking about Tez, right? And so I, I love that everyone else is being covert. Mac is not. So uh, the last thing with this, though, for right now for me, that as, as we get to week three, I think this conversation does warrant some some talking some conversations at what point is it better for the rest of the team to just say we're going to continue to argue Tez's case but this is our squad for this year right because if you're always hoping and expecting oh man Tez is going to be here then you don't you don't move forward um and I think Carolina has to for the sake of the guys that are there you know, whether it's Kobe Pace or whoever it is that's going to be number one receiver. Maybe that's Nate McCollum. Who knows who will rise to the top? Maybe it's one of the tight ends, Bryson Nesbitt, whatever. They they got to know what they're working with. And if, you know, does that, does that make sense, right? Like at some point, this becomes too much of a distraction. But you got to keep fighting for Tez because... It's about him as a person, as a student athlete, as a, you know, doing this for others who will come along behind him in similar situations where it's like, no, NCAA, you cannot do this and and claim to be about what you're saying you're about. And so I, I think it's important to continue to fight for Tez, to stand for Tez. Um, but I also think that you you have to have very real conversations about all right, but we got to move forward with the team we have. You might wholeheartedly disagree with my take on that, and that's fine. But I do think that is a worthwhile conversation to be had. Now, speaking of which, sounds like we're getting good news about Nate McCollum and that he's going to be worked into more of a role this upcoming week against Minnesota. And I got a question about exactly what level of awesomeness is Nate McCollum going to bring. I got some answers for you. want to provide some numbers and some statistical context, and we'll do that in just a second. But first, I need to tell you that this episode of Locked on Tar Heels is brought to you by FanDuel. 
Woo, we had an exciting finish to Monday night football on Monday night. Wild Chasserat getting out there, getting a little block out front to spring the Jets for an overtime punt return touchdown victory. Man, and as part of that, you got to get ready for the NFL season because there are incredible offers coming at you from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Because right now, new customers can bet $5 and get $200 back in bonus bets, guaranteed. Plus, all customers who bet $5 will get $100 off of NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. Now is the best time to join FanDuel. The app's easy to use and you can be on everything. You can bet on everything from point spreads to player props and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season with an offer you won't want to miss. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. So I got a question on uh, Monday's show from Thomas Yancey at Heels365 on YouTube. Thomas, thanks for asking. This is a great question. And it, it springs right out of the Tez Walker conversation we just had. He says, Isaac, do you think Nate McCollum will add a new element to our passing game? Simply put, my answer, Thomas, absolutely he will. Just how big of an element will it be? I'll get to that momentarily. But let me give you some context of what Nate did last year. Let me start by putting it this way. Last year in the ACC, there were only four players that had multiple games with at least eight catches, at least 100 yards, and at least one receiving touchdown all in the same game. Only four players did that at least two times. One of them was a guy named Josh Downs. You might have heard of him. One of them is a guy named A.T. Perry from Wake Forest, led the conference in receiving yards. And another is a guy from Boston College named Zay Flowers. Why do all those names sound familiar? Well, aside from playing them, all of three of those guys are now suiting up on Sundays. All three of those guys got drafted and are now in the NFL. Nate McCollum is the only one of the four ACC players to hit those thresholds last year that's back in the ACC. So that, that to me, Thomas, is, yeah, there's your new element. This is a guy that can be a high-volume receiver in terms of number of catches, a high-volume in terms of receiving yards, can score for you. Like, man, go look at some of his uh, footage from last year. There's this one touchdown where it was just like he catches it, gets like rocked at the goal line. I don't even remember who they were playing, but man, holds on to the ball, gets six out of it. It's just those are the kind of things you love to see. Um, but but other just kind of more raw data beyond comparing him, you know, again, one of four to do something and the other three are in the NFL now. I think that tells you something, right? But he was sixth in the ACC in receptions per game last year, five and a half. He was seventh in the ACC last year in total reception, 60, 11th in the ACC in total receiving yards, 655, and 11th in receiving yards per game, 59.5. Now keep in mind, that's while playing at Georgia Tech. And you might recall when Carolina faced them last year, they're on their fourth string quarterback. It's not exactly Drake May is what I'm trying to tell you. He's doing all that with, forgive me, Georgia Tech, but subpar quarterback play. What kind of numbers is he putting up with Drake May throwing to him? That's a different question. 
And and this isn't saying much because it's Georgia Tech, but his receptions, those 60 last season, were the most that Georgia Tech has had in a single season since 2006. When some dude named Calvin Johnson had more. Yeah, that Calvin Johnson, Megatron, was the last player for Georgia Tech to have more than 60 receptions. And that's what Nate McCollum did last year. Now, I know a lot of that at Georgia Tech is that whole Paul Johnson era where it's just triple option the whole time and you're not throwing ball much. Okay, cool. I hear that. But I just that's where he's at in the pantheon of Georgia Tech receivers in the 2000s, right? So yes, Nate McCollum is going to add a new element to the passing game. I think he and Kobe Pacehor do quite similar things. You know, you think of these guys as kind of some slot receivers, but I think if they're your two best receivers, you find ways, or at least right now with Tez not playing, you find ways to get them both on the field at the same time. So I, I will say this, Thomas and, and others listening, I do not believe that Nate brings the same level of new element to use your phrase, Thomas, that Tez would bring. Tez is, is just different. Every report I've heard from practice, everything I've heard from players is that Tez is just a straight up game changer, doing things practice in and practice out that are incredible and phenomenal. And that's part of why the passing game hasn't necessarily been very electric yet. There hasn't been Tez Walker to take the top of it. You don't have your on Antoine Green. Or excuse me, uh, yeah, Antoine Green. I always have to stop and think with Antoine and Andre Green. But, you know, you, you got your Josh Downs type player in Kobe Pesor and now in Nate McCollum getting back into the lineup. But you don't have your Antoine Green to take the lid off it to make things better for the running backs, the slot receivers, etc. So you need guys like Gavin Blackwell and J.J. Jones to do it on the outside. They just, let's be honest, they're, they just aren't going to create the same level of separation that we see from those other guys. But I will say this for Nate versus Tez. While I think Tez has the higher ceiling with Tez, we expect him to be able to do it at the ACC level with Nate. We've seen him do it at the ACC level. We already know he can do it at the ACC level. You see the difference there with Tez. We're hopeful. And of course, we're hopeful just that we'll get to see him, but we're hopeful that he can do what he's been doing at the ACC level. And if, if the again, if the practice reports tell you anything, and if what we've seen in, in scrimmage footage and other things, yeah, he's going to do it. But it's just different when Nate's already done it. So I, I think there's a lot that he's going to bring. And I mean, you, you look at what's currently there within the receiving core we already talked about kobe pesor we already talked about gavin gavin blackwell jj jones um there's andre green jr but i think nate were you know nate mccollum is going to be right at kind of the top of that list and it would have been along with tez but there's that and then we can't forget obviously we got the three tight ends with kamari morales with bryson nesbitt and with john copenhaver although he's banged up right now arm in a club and then you got your running backs out of the backfield what what can they add in the receiving game but i man nate mccollum is going to be great and the good news in this whole nate mccollum conversation is that we're going to get a better idea this coming week of just exactly what uh, mccollum will bring in terms of new elements because according to mac in that same press conference that we referenced earlier he says that Nate mccollum is quote ready to go and is going to be more part of the of the uh, plan of attack this week um 
wide receiver coach Lonnie Galloway, excuse me, wasn't necessarily sure exactly what all Nate could do last week. And so he didn't utilize him as much, but it sounds like, I don't know if I'd say all guns blazing for this week, but ready to go in a much bigger way. And so get ready for that. Get excited for that. I love getting him in now in the last game before next week, you head up to Pittsburgh to start off ACC play and you got to be ready to go and having a veteran ACC receiver step in like that. That's a big win. Friends, that's it for today's episode of Locked on Tar Heels. Thanks so much for joining me. Make sure you remember that tomorrow, Pat Kilby and I will be wrapping up our um, summer roster preview series for men's basketball with Armando Baycott. Get buckled up and ready for that. Everydayers, thanks so much for tuning in with us as always. If you're new to the show, thanks for being here. So glad to have you. You can follow the show on Twitter at Locked on Heels. You can follow me at Isaac Shade. Email the show, LockedOnTarHeels at gmail.com. Don't forget to subscribe, whether you're listening to us or if you're watching us. Either way, you can subscribe to us. If you are watching, smash the like button and leave comments on the show. We'd love to hear your thoughts on the NIL hire and on the whole, the wide receiver situations and everything going on with that. It's always a great day to be a Tar Heel. Certainly interesting, isn't it? (laughs) We'll be back with you tomorrow. But until then, peace. Peace.